0: and welcome to the edition podcast it's as you know our weekly look at where tech and media and digital media clash and that's why this week we're talking about print magazines
1: Yeah, obviously.
0: right obviously the person cheering in the background is peter houston from uh, the media voices and other things which we're going to be talking about peter hello hello it's so nice i like to have it you. that
1: we're breaking the mold that i'm making you talk not about tech
0: Well, I like that you're making me break the mould as well because (laughs) I love, I love, love, love digital media. But as you know, I have a real soft spot for a glossy magazine or two. They make me very happy to curl up with one. I think I spend so much time consuming digital media that it's a real treat to pick up a glossy magazine. Or indeed, actually, I feel the same actually about um, physical books as well. It's a real treat to settle down with one after a day in front of a screen. However... I'm not quite so stupid as to try and make my own print magazine. You are.
1: Yeah. Guilty. (laughs) Peter,
0: are you feeling all right?
1: Well, I'll tell you in about three months. Okay, yeah, that's a good idea or a bad idea
0: now this all if you don't subscribe to peter's substat the magazine diaries you should and I'll link to it in the show notes uh you may notice it becoming a bit more intermittent though because in the last edition of it peter revealed that he and his partner joanna are starting a print magazine he you know you said you'd wanted to do this for years and we'll de- delve into that you then went to magazine street and got Completely uh, overexcited about it and insp- or inspired about it, depending <laughs> on your interpretation. <laughs> uh, and so here we are. We have a magazine that will be coming out called Grub Street. You describe it as a magazine for people that make magazines. Uh, personally, I'm really excited to have a look at it and just get my hands on a copy. But that's that's some weeks down the line, isn't it?
1: Yes, we're uh, we're looking to actually launch the thing, get it out to people on April the first
0: i was gonna say that's not a joke that it's gonna you're not it's gonna not have a some solving well, magazine that, or something
1: one of the things that we want to do with this is have fun with it because yep. there's no point in doing these things if if you don't enjoy them you know we we've talked in the past about why do you do the media voices podcast or whatever it is and I've done the Media Voices podcast for five years because I love doing it. I love working with Chris and Esther. It's good fun. We have great conversations and I learn loads. And this is the same kind of thing. Um, I have talked about launching a magazine for years. I did this, the the original Magazine Diaries was a little A5 publication um, in which I published little, I don't know what you would call them, 100 word prose pieces. From a hundred publishing professionals and all sorts of people, you know, you know, Paul McNamee from The Big Issue, David Hepworth was doing the word at the time, Barry McElhenney, um, people that have left the industry since. Um, it sounds like it was just a bunch of white men, and it absolutely wasn't, but I can't remember all the lovely ladies that uh that gave me contributions to a hundred words, I mean, yes.
0: So you, I mean, Um, magazines have not always been your passion. And so you sort of couldn't resist making one of your own.
1: Yeah, that's part of it. But also, so the other, I've just said about the Media Voices thing, one of the things was, is the learning involved in that. You know, see, if you're going to do a job, you should do it for three reasons, right? One, because it's a laugh, it's good fun. Yep. Um, One, because it makes loads of money. Right, yes. And the other one is if you learn something. And actually, if you can tick two of those boxes at the same time, you're winning.
0: Yes, I agree, Um, yes.
1: So, applying that to this project, I think we'll have fun with it. Yep. Um, I'm not sure we'll make any money, but I definitely think we'll learn something. Yep. You know, (laughs) So the first issue of this magazine, our cover story, it's called the theme. F- I think indie magazines work well when they have a theme. Yep. So the that. theme for our first issue is, uh, we're calling it the Don Quixote issue. <laughs> you know, the whole tilting at windmills thing. And our cover story is what kind of idiots still make magazines? Which is clearly tongue in cheek because we're making a magazine, and whether we're idiots or not, it remains to be seen. But you know, I think that the people that still make magazines they do it for all sorts of reasons. You know, there's entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and there's passion, you know, people that are passionate and they're fans, and then there's experts, um, there's people that are just trying to sell stuff. Retailers make magazines
0: yeah so absolutely. i mean i go into
1: reasons
0: supermarket all sorts of supermarkets now have magazines
1: so yeah there's loads of reasons and i think one of the things that we want to try and unpack is is why why are people doing this uh, uh, as and a, so you know it's an going, industry that go
0: on. no i was going to say are you going to have like interviews with industry figures is it going to be the interpreter you you writing about your uh, experience in the industry a combination of the two
1: yeah, I think it's, it definitely will be. So, one of the things that I've said in my the kind of launch announcement for mm. this was that there's loads of really good magazines about making magazines. There's you know and podcasts and newsletters. Yes. You know, and publishing is a, a great magazine for people that are really inside the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't those magazines and podcasts and newsletters don't necessarily focus on the people, they focus on the business aspect of this.
0: Right, yes.
1: And I find the people fascinating. Yeah. I find magazine people fascinating.
0: Yeah, so it's not like a B2B thing, it where you're like, this is how to get more advertisers and this is how to get more bank feel about, this is how to sell more magazines. It's more about telling the stories within an industry that you are part of and love.
1: I hope there's learning in it. I hope people get, mm. you know, this is how such and such does does their regular September issue, which is bigger than every other issue, or, you know, here's an idea that you can steal, or whatever it is. I, th- yeah. I hope there's learning in it. But, yeah, also I, th- I hope there's entertainment and inspiration in it, and I hope that comes from the people that we talk to rather than, Here's the here's the formula for increasing your subscription revenues by twenty three percent.
0: Yeah, which yeah. would be it's, great. It's, Everyone
1: would love that. Yeah, <laughs> please. I actually uh, don't think it exists.
0: Well, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because we sort of hear about the death of print all the time, and we sort of wonder: is anyone reading the big glossy magazines anymore? Look at Condé Nast and Anna mm. Winter trying to expand all the digital reach and. One of the first episodes of this podcast actually was about Vogue. From, it was with Mark Stenberg and it was about how Vogue had kind of turned the, the um, you know, Fashion Week into their Oscars and a huge amount of that was all the digital stuff they were doing. But people still pick up a physical copy of Vogue. And,
1: yeah. And so... Absolutely. There's actually a great piece. I mentioned in publishing... Mm. there's a great piece in, uh, in publishing by Carleen Lukovitz in the States uh, where she goes through this idea that um, print is now a secondary revenue source for magazine publishers. Right, 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 right. And I, I don't think that's true for everyone, but it's true for a lot of mass market magazine publishers that print has become this kind of secondary thing. Um, and that's, you know, life the world changes. Mm. That's There's some people that think, oh, Oh, that's horrible, and you know, sort of gnashing her teeth and wailing. But that's that's what life is like. Um, so you've got to then figure out: okay, if it's a secondary revenue source, how do we make it work for us? How do we make it practical? I mean, there's a great—I can't remember. She, I don't know if it's her quote or she's taking it from someone else, but I, I actually think it was. I think it came out of a dot dash Meredith article or interview. Um, and, the, and basically the point is, print magazines will continue to be supported to the extent that they can cover their costs and contribute to the bottom line. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that. That's sensible.
0: Yes. It shows people are still interested. They're not a loss leader. They're, they're, they're still a key part of people's media Diet,
1: yeah, if you like, exactly. exactly. So, the other oh, Condé Nast thing with Roger Lynch, um, I got a bit um exercised about that because he said they weren't a magazine company anymore. That, the what bugged me about that was actually that it was properly disingenuous, he knew exactly what he was doing, he was trying to get attention. Um, that yeah, Condinas to say they're not a
0: magazine com- company yeah. anymore is pretty eyebrow raising,
1: exactly. exactly. But and that's what he was trying to do through that Caris Fisher interview. But they still sell seven million magazines, so that you know whether that's, that's their main revenue source. That's a significant revenue source.
0: Yes, and people, whatever they might like to say, still associate a company like Condé Nast with magazines.
1: Definitely, hundred percent, because that's people's. I don't, I'm not even sure that people when they go to a website of a magazine that they already know, I don't think they maybe even make that distinction in their own heads. It's just a magazine brand. Mm. You know, the channel that you access that through is kind of irrelevant.
0: Yeah, whether I'm reading it on my iPad, on the website, whatever.
1: Absolutely. We get all geeky about it as media people. Oh, this this engagement, that engagement, these audience figures, whatever. Civilians, if you like, don't care.
0: Yeah, they um, care it's a Vogue when, story, a Vanity Fair, Fair story, bit, you know, absolutely. Cosmo I mean, story, Actually, they, they
1: care it's a good story. That's the point. Um, I think yeah. that's one of the problems that publishers have is that idea that if you can find a good story on Vanity Fair or you can find a good story on Big, you don't Vogue, you don't really care where you find it. It's just a good story. That's yeah. a problem for publishers.
0: Yeah. Let, let's return to your contribution to this industry then. Um, where do you see uh, the Grub Street Journal kind of sitting in this? You're obviously passionate about indie magazines, been involved in that world for a long time. Yeah. You know, you described it as a passion project, but surely you want at some point to be something a little bit more than that. You at least want it to contribute yeah. to the conversation in that world you're passionate
1: Absolutely. about. Absolutely well, yeah, there's two, so actually there's three things. So the passion project thing we've talked about, I love print, and I, mm-hmm. the idea of holding a print. When I first saw the layout, I kid you not, when I first saw the the, the page layouts for this, I got quite choked up seeing this. I thought, oh, my God, yeah, that's going out there. You know, that's going to be my magazine, and it was amazing. Yeah,
0: here's so the passion he's a project thing I made. Thing,
1: yeah, exactly. So that passion project thing, we can tick that box. The next thing for me and for Joe is the idea that it's a research project. You know, we talk about all these things all the time. How do you make print magazines work? How do you make print a sustainable, or print magazines a sustainable business? We try stuff. You know, one of the things we're talking about, um, just yesterday was the idea, of how do we use QR codes to send people to Spotify playlists or to send people to resources on a, on a, on a web page? How do we do that? Does, is that possible? Um, talking about how, <laughs> for a second issue, we're talking about how we can do something really interesting on the cover. Second issue is the Jerry Maguire issue, mm-hmm. Where's the Money in Magazines? Yeah. So so we're talking about? What cool stuff can we do to illustrate that with the magazine? Um, yeah. So it's all about
0: testability in that
1: sense. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, it's loads of people you know publish really, really brilliant indie magazines because they they care about the subject. Well, else subject is magazines? So we want to try and push the envelope a little bit in terms of what we can do. Now, obviously, there's money constraints, and that's the third part of this. Can we actually make enough money that will let us test and learn the, the, the sort of things that we want to do and, and also put some money in the bank and go and holiday and have a nice meal every now and again?
0: Such lofty ambitions, such lofty ambitions. Yeah, but I, I do have to ask you about that. We know... Look, we discussed already how difficult print is for making money, yeah. um, particularly independently if you're not a Condé Nast or whatever. What, what is the plan for kind of distributing this product and selling this product? It's quarterly, isn't it?
1: Yeah, quarterly. We'll sell it online and we'll, hopefully we'll sell it through some of the, the retailers I haven't spoken to anyone directly yet, but I'm. I would imagine we'll sell some through some independent, senior specialist magazine retailers. Yeah. We won't be doing any kind of newsstand stuff because it's a nightmare, and it's we're not printing enough copies for that. How Maybe many copies I feel like do you... short print?
0: Yeah, I was going to say how many copies do you think you're going to print? It'd
1: be less than a thousand. The first one will be less than a thousand. Um, I'm not quite sure how many less.
0: And. Yeah, because to me, the most interesting bit about this in some ways is the distribution network because, you know, you guys can write, you can work with a designer who can make a thing, you can find somewhere to print it. There's plenty of print places and, you know, you can find a printer, but actually getting it into the hands of people, that to me seems the hardest bit of the yeah. whole process.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's two ways to do that, I think, for us. Uh, one is to, well, it's probably... Three. <laughs> the one is direct, which is the best one for us because if people buy it straight from us on a website, we're not just we don't, you know, it goes for what we sell it for. We get all that money. But of course, we don't have that reach necessarily. So there's the kind of online newsstands and uh the the retailers that i mentioned. So that's another channel. And then there's other people that will handle that for you. Um the, there's independent magazine distributors. Um, I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about that Magazine Street conference that I mentioned that Nikki Simpson organises. Those people are there, um, and you can talk to them. And you can figure out what's possible, and they'll take a certain number of copies, and they'll get them into retailers. And um, they know that stuff way better than than, kind of like, than I would. Uh, distribution is not, magazine distribution has never been my particular wheelhouse.
0: No, so and it's hard. working with people
1: like that, I think, is a big deal.
0: Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? You've got to, it's got to be collaborative, even if it's, you know, initially yeah. just two or three of you making the product. Something like that has to be collaborative, doesn't it?
1: Okay. Absolutely. And again, one of the things, so you asking me that question, is actually exactly the point of the magazine diaries newsletter. Mm. When I, or when Joanna and I go out and try and figure out, okay, how do we distribute this thing? We'll come back to that newsletter and we'll write that up. Oh, we had a conversation with such and such today. And here's what they suggested. We think it's a great idea or we don't think that's going to work for us or whatever it is. So we're passing on that, le- that le- learning. And that's the research aspect of this. And we're not unique in that. Loads of people have done this. There's um, the publishing playbook made by the guys at, I think it was Human After All, uh, Danny Miller at Human After All. They published this document probably five, six, seven years ago now which is basically a blow-by-blow blow on how to launch a mag- an indie magazine. Uh, and a, a guy called Kai Brack, who used to do a magazine called Offscreen, um, he documented the whole process on his blog um, and, and published a little book called Indie Magonomics about it. So the, the, the point is not we're doing something that no one else has done. The point yeah. is we want to add to that, that kind of pool of knowledge.
0: I can see as we're talking about this, this is not just about the product, is it? You care about the product. There's something community about it as well, isn't there? Yeah,
1: definitely. Why well, care about this industry? Because this industry has been good to me. You know, I, I, I made a life out of magazine publishing. And it makes me sad sometimes when I think about kids coming through that aren't going to be able to necessarily work for some of the types of companies that I've worked for. Um, So for me, it would be good, well, at least they can get a sense of what magazine publishing is like through these kind of things. Mm. I mean, and, you know, you've met me, we've we've talked lots of times, you know, I'm not not necessarily that sentimental about anything, but it does make me a little bit sad that this industry is, that people would let it go. That's my point, really.
0: Listen, you have your reputation as a deeply cynical, grumpy Scott, and I don't want to do anything <laughs> on this you? show that will diminish your reputation. I don't want to embarrass you in any way. No, I, don't but I, I can tell, self. but I can really tell as we're talking about it that, you know, you describe it as a passion project and the, the passion is really there. And I guess when you're at something like Magazine Street, those are the kind of fellow travelers that are there. <laughs> and that's what keeps something like indie magazine publishing going. It has to be.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. It, it's uh, it, that uh, The word community gets so overused, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it gets overused cynically. But yes. I do think there is a community aspect to everything that we do. I you, you know you and I speaking on this podcast furthers that community. The, what we do on Media Voices furthers that. You know, every, <laughs> magazine publishing on media in general is not the only industry that's got a hard time at the moment, but... We're in this, in this industry, so we need to try and make it easy, uh, make it easier for people wherever we possibly can. Yeah, and keep it
0: going. Important. For As you, you sort of talk about the next generation, there are still people going through journalism school or, you know, teenagers devouring magazines that want to be part of it in a few years' time. And, yeah, you do want to keep it going because I sort of feel with magazines that... Maybe even, I don't know, even less so perhaps the news publishing. I know that's a sort of heretical thing to say. Um, But in some ways, I feel like with magazines, there's even more of a thing to keep the pure print product. You know, you can consume news in lots of different ways now. And actually, in some some ways, actually, news looks better on digital than it does on grubby newsprint i know we all like to romanticize newspapers and i do i love sitting down with a proper newspaper of course i do i you know nothing beats the from the journalism side nothing beats the thrill of seeing your name in print it feels very special um but you know there is a big difference between putting out newsprint every day and creating something glossy and it, it you know is a bit one of those things that people go yeah, you know, you can get rid of it. You know, oh, it will drift and die. And actually, it's a sort of don't know what you've got till it's gone thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Also, I think magazines can do a different thing, and it doesn't need to be that scale. Mm. Newspapers, but kind of by definition, um, have to have that mass market reach. Yes. Um, Because every day, those are the numbers that you're playing with every single day. And, you know, (laughs) I'm launching a magazine at a time when print's just gone up 60%. Um, Well, I did warn you at the
0: beginning of the show, you've gone mad.
1: (laughs) I'm perfectly aware. Uh, For my thousand magazine copies, that has an impact, but it's a very, very different impact from what it has to a, a newspaper publisher. You know that's the difference between surviving and not surviving. Um, I can kind of work around that, and by you know, I'm publishing quarterly. Um, I can charge people whatever a tenner because it's a it's a premium prod product. Um, whereas you cannot you can't do that with a newspaper. So yeah. I I saw a piece in press because I I can't actually remember the numbers. But all the newspapers are putting their prices up, and it's not going to be enough.
0: Yeah, no, I mean it's look. We could have a whole another podcast about the strains mm, well, we on could. newspaper and printing and daily newspaper and all those things. Of course, we should actually know in the context of this conversation. A lot of the newspapers produce fantastic magazines as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what? In the future, maybe that's where print goes for newspapers you know it becomes a weekly digest or a monthly digest or whatever and they properly properly put most of the content online
0: yeah i mean we've Um, seen i'm i'm in london and here there's city m which is the uh free sheet um i should say i did used to work there um and it goes out well during the pandemic during lockdown when there was no one In the city no one commuting because that's who it's aimed at people in business people commuting into their offices for business uh they went fully digital and that kept the show on the road Uh, because of the change in working practices they're now only printing monday to thursday and uh, everything else will be digital and to me that frankly strikes me as a rather sensible modern adaptive approach to keeping your product going Yeah, I think
1: anything else is potentially sentimentality.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that's right. And, you know, something like that has looked at the numbers and gone, people still really like to pick it up while they're sitting on the tube Monday to Thursday, but they're not coming in from commuter belt stations or the tube on Friday, and obviously never were Saturday to Sunday. Um, And so let's adapt and make sure our audience still can get the information they need, but in a way they're more likely to, to get that information
1: yeah
0: and i, I guess yeah and i guess with you as well if you're looking what do people in magazines care about well they care about consuming it in a magazine and yeah. so quarterly is a feasible time scale to produce something and to produce something good which is also important because you can't be sending out dross um
1: Absolutely not.
0: and so that kind of well, that kind of works it's adapting to what your audience wants isn't it and that always is what it comes down to, ultimately.
1: Yeah. I mean, the tipping point for us, I don't know. I said this to you before we started. The tipping point for us in terms of making this thing came at that. This, I should be charging Nikki Simpson for for advertising. You want affiliate business. marketing or something? Every ticket oh, you sell, be, she yeah. sells. Every, every click should get me something. But that conference was amazing. And Joanna worked with Simon Esselton, who's a designer, uh, a legend in the indie magazine uh, scene. But actually, he worked in newspapers and worked to The Guardian. He's just he's an amazing, amazing designer. And Joe worked with him to make this magazine in a day, um, <laughs> where they actually did this 68-pages um like 64 covers uh in in this interviewing people at the conference right. taking photographs at the conference. and it's a beautiful beautiful thing and seeing people's reaction to that and seeing people's reaction to the process was really what made us think you know what there's if you can audience. do that in 24 hours you can probably do it in three months
0: yeah and there's an audience
1: yeah. for it And there's an audience for it. Exactly. Well, I mean, interesting, you're talking about digital as as an aspect to this. So, my LinkedIn post announcing this is the biggest, has had the biggest reaction to anything I've ever posted on LinkedIn. Usually, because I post a lot of crap on LinkedIn, Uh but never mind. you know, there's over, I think at this point, there's over 12,000 impressions on it and well, they should- 120 people responded or uh, reacted and, and 45 comments. For me, that is amazing because I, you know, I'm not a social media kind of guy. Um, well, I hope so they'll pick up a copy. So it shows that there is an interest. Sorry, say again.
0: I was going to say, I hope they'll pick up a copy. I'm looking forward to purchasing so mine and too. having it um, sent over.
1: Can I, uh, I have to people? end,
0: and I hope it's not on a downer. Can this indie magazine industry that you're so passionate about and want to contribute to, can can it survive in an era of raised costs, strained personal finances, and bluntly, when everyone's consuming content digitally?
1: Absolutely, it can survive. It's just, what does that look like? How many titles? What sort of titles? Um, You know, people... (laughs) People like nice things, don't they? Um, and it's just, again, part of it comes into it with getting all social justice warrior on it. I guess it comes back to that idea of who's it end up for? Does it just end up this kind of hyper middle class thing that people can afford to spend 12 quid on a copy and read it in the coffee shop with a flat white and an avocado toast or whatever? Um, that would be sad. I, I'd like to see it being a little bit more accessible than that. But, yeah, it absolutely can survive. The I guess the problem okay, maybe, I used to have this.
0: Maybe the better question from me is can it thrive?
1: Again, yes. It just it needs, needs a little bit of space to figure out exactly how that works and what it looks like. I used to talk about the farmer's market of independent magazines. And not as a good thing. It bothered me that independent magazine publishing was turning into this thing where people did it as a side hustle and it was a hobby and no one had a job from it. Um, And it really was the equivalent of going to the farmer's market and buying sausages for 10 quid a packet instead of 250 or whatever. So I hope that's not the case. I hope it's more accessible than that. And there's some, one of the people I'm talking to for the first issue, Um, it's a lady called Rhiannon who's up in Glasgow, and she does a community magazine called Govan Hill, um, or it's in the district of Govan Hill. That thing's got, like, I don't know, 20 different languages every issue, and she really, really represents the community. And I think, you know, there's models here. That's, again, this is part of why I think this is a research project as much as a passion project. People don't hear about these stories. And I think, okay, here's a model that maybe you can try someone else. Here's something that you can try that would help you survive. Here's something that will make your product, your magazine more accessible. So that's part of it for me, is to try and find out how it can survive, how it can thrive. Will will we succeed? I have no idea.
0: It wouldn't be as much
1: fun if it did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you do both survive and thrive. And I, as I say, I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on the first issue. So I'll be sure to be buying one as soon as you, you have it ready to go. Um, Peter, thanks so much for joining me and really Thank best you. of luck with it. Where can people keep up with all the different things you do?
1: Uh, so there's a website at the moment, grubstreetjournal.com. There's not much on there except for a little sign up for my magazine diaries newsletter. And and through the magazine diaries newsletter, we'll be uh well, we'll just be sharing what we've learned and <laughs> what's gone right, what's gone wrong. Hopefully more right than wrong. More right
0: than wrong, yes.
1: Um and yeah, that's that's basically the two places at the moment.
0: Yeah, and obviously your and, immediate voices.
1: Yeah. Week in, week out, fight the good fight. Sign up for the Media Voices newsletter to hear all the good things that are going on.
0: Yes, Although well, I'm going to
1: have to... We are going to have to have a award with Mr Sutcliffe about his use of the cause he lives. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, disgraceful. And this is, you know what's worse, this is the second show in a row he's been mentioned as well without being here, so it's an absolute disgrace. Um, and also, well, yes, and you've got awards coming up, not a bit later in the year, Publishing Podcast yeah. Awards. You've got your new April. newsletter awards as well. So all of that stuff, if you head over to voices.media, isn't it? You get all the stuff so. there. Um, I'm obviously at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter. Hopefully you're already subscribed to the theedition.substack.com and you may be listening uh, to the podcast there. Uh, you can also listen to it wherever you normally get your podcasts. Uh, please leave comments, share. I was going to say join the community by upgrading, but Peter will tell me if I use the word community. Do please sign up and share and uh, I hope you can all be part of what we're doing over at the edition as well um thank you so much for listening and i'll see you all next week